Rush the field with Jay Binkley. That's what I'm talking about. What a night of football on 610 Sports Radio. The players only show. Dana Hughes and Joe Mays. Each and every week a different guest. It's 6 o'clock on Thursday nights. Followed by the Chris Kleiman show. He's going to be feeling pretty good. Kansas State, the AP Top 25 for the first time in two years. Ranked for two straight weeks in the coaches poll in a big game this weekend against Oklahoma State. I'm Jay Binkley. Rocco producing for me tonight. Little college football show tonight. And rush the field. We do this each and every week. And we talk Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas. So we'll have Gary Pinkle on to talk about Missouri. Josh Klingler, the sideline reporter for Kansas, to talk about those. And John Kurtz, our Kansas State insider, to talk about the Kansas State Wildcats. So we have you covered on the three local schools. Starting off with Kansas State, off last week, but they entered the AP poll at 24th. First ranking since 2017, 25th in the coaches poll last week, 22nd in the coaches poll. They moved up from 24th to 22nd. This week at Oklahoma State, 6, six o'clock game here, right here on 610 Sports Radio. Looking forward to this one because Oklahoma State's a pretty good team. Spencer Sanders, the running back, dual threat, 268 yards throwing last week. Redshirt freshman, 109 yards rushing. They gave Texas fits. Actually had the lead in the third quarter against Texas. So Kansas State and Oklahoma State, nice little battle. Kansas State picked ninth in the preseason poll in the Big 12. People may be reconsidering this. Chris Kleiman's bringing a little bit of that North Dakota State magic. As far as the Kansas Jayhawks, TCU, 11 a.m., Fox Sports 1. Alex Delton, you might remember him. He was the former quarterback at Kansas State. Transferred to TCU. So, basically... Skyler Thompson, the quarterback at K-State, didn't have to look over his shoulders anymore. It's not been good for Alex Delton. He saw himself benched for TCU. West Virginia beats Kansas 29-24, but Kansas played okay in this game. At least they were in this game, just a five-point loss. However, they did not parlay what they did against Boston College. They have been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, losing to Coastal Carolina, going out and putting up an impressive performance against Boston College and then coming home to West Virginia. The senior daddy's West Virginia team. This is a West Virginia team that's uh, struggling a little bit. It was picked eighth in the Big 12 this year. Not only that, West Virginia is using a quarterback, Austin Kendall. Dana Holgerson's gone. He's a transfer from Oklahoma. Dana Holgerson's gone. He's now at the University of Houston. Neil Brown getting used to a new coach at West Virginia. I actually thought Kansas could win this game. Matter of fact, I had him 3-1 to one to start this season. I had him beating Coastal Carolina, had him losing to Boston College, and beating West Virginia. How'd that work? Didn't work out so well. Hadn't worked out so well. I do think it's an improved football team. There's no doubt about it. We'll get more into Kansas uh, later tonight when we talk to Josh Klingley. Missouri Tigers opened up against South Carolina, a little SEC. And South Carolina is one of these teams. You know, Missouri's had their fits through the years with them. And South Carolina is not a great football team. Holinsky uh, uh, started. He's the brother of the quarterback that uh, committed suicide at Washington State. The true freshman quarterback uh, uh, there. He plays against Missouri. Missouri's run defense, let me put it this way. This is why I think Missouri can be a good football team. And I don't know what the hell happened against Wyoming in week one with Missouri. They gave up 297 yards to Wyoming. Wyoming couldn't even complete a forward pass. They only completed like six of them. 
but they ran the ball and were physical to Missouri. Missouri jumps up to a 14 nothing lead. And again, as we've talked to Coach Pinkle each and every week, those first games can be tricky. You know, it's your first, you don't have preseason football in college football. You've got to be really careful with that first game. And we see all these great, you know, kickoff classic games between college teams. But that's a risk. Your team has to be prepared because they've only seen each other. We've seen preseason football in the NFL and it looks terrible. Missouri would probably like to have that Wyoming game back. They just and, look sloppy for a lot part of it. Honestly. And they still have that bowl band going on, so that, that's not good. It could be reversed, but check this out. Last three games for Missouri. West Virginia, 30 yards rushing. SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, 40 yards rushing. South Carolina, 16 yards rushing. 297 against Wyoming. 86 yards on 88 carries against Missouri the last couple of weeks. Kelly Bryant was not as good as he's been in the other games. But if Missouri could play this run defense, look out. Matter of fact, the Gamecocks, 16 yards rushing, the fewest allowed uh, by the Tigers in a game in almost a decade. So that's that's good news for the Missouri Tigers. They don't play this week. They play Troy. Uh, the flank. Troy, Troy's a pain in the butt. Now, Neil Brown's not there time, anymore. Yeah. He's at West Virginia, their former coach. This team two years ago went to Baton Rouge and beat LSU. Then they went to Lincoln and beat Nebraska. But I thought overall, last week was a good week in college football. I enjoyed Two weeks ago was terrible matchups. Agreed. But we actually saw good match. What I consider a good day in college football is having that good 11 a.m. game. Then have that good 2.30 game. Where you, you, you dual screen it if K-State's on or Missouri's on. But you always like that top 25 matchup or the SEC game of the week. I love it. We're getting into that now. About that time. Start having good football all day. Can't wait. And I'll be going down to some Kansas State games here soon. Uh, starting off probably with that Baylor game. But I got up I got up Saturday morning. Got everything done. That's what I do on Saturday morning. I got, got to rush to get everything. I'm talking get up five or six. No, I know it sounds crazy, but you get up early. You get up early, you get everything done. Everything done. 11 o'clock on a college game day. I usually watch them at the gym or whatever. I you know, bring, put it on the phone or whatever. Big Love Whiskey's cut. last Saturday, wasn't it, for that brunch? I did not go to Big Whiskey's for the brunch, but I should have. Look good. But here's it did look good. But I love college games. I just love the whole app. I love the college pageantry of everything. And the closest thing to it is like at Arrowhead Stadium to see the tailgate and everything. But college game day encapsulizes the passion of college, <clears throat> college football. And so I started off watching Wisconsin and Michigan. And as I'm watching this game, all I wonder sometimes is these local coaches kind of get on the ball. The top two recruits next year in the state of Kansas, running back and wide receiver, running back out of the peak of the wide receiver out of uh, Bishop Age, committed to Minnesota. Watching the game, Ronnie Bell, who's going to be a really good wide receiver at Michigan as a true sophomore, Park Hill High School, right up north of the river. Then, which by the way, the high school teams are playing tonight. They're in action right now because they're worried about the storm tomorrow, so they're all playing. Rightfully so. It's going to be nasty. Well, yeah, I know. But come on, man. Back in my day, we played, man. You played. Back in, in the... Yeah, you played. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, if it lightning's 30 minutes away, you're uh, 30 miles away, you're out for 30 minutes. Different story, Rocco. But the bottom line is, one to watch this game. Then, the starting receiver for Wisconsin had a really good career. A.J. Taylor, Rockhurst. Backup quarterback for Wisconsin, who's backing up Jack Cohn, who's a junior. Graham Mertz, Blue Valley North. Nice little battle. True freshman actually played in a game this year. If he can keep under four, he'll probably redshirt this year, but he's going to be a damn good quarterback. And I'm not sure stays the full time at Wisconsin. We're talking NFL with this kid at Blue Valley North. I've never seen a kid recruited by so many schools like he was. We're talking Bama, USC. We're talking Ohio State. We're talking Midwest, East Coast, West Coast. He's at Wisconsin. There's three blue chippers. 
from Kansas City playing in that game. One to watch it. Wisconsin looks tough, man. First two games, nobody scored on them. They gave up 14 to Michigan, and they just pounded the ball, pounded the Rockos. Fun game to watch, Rockos. So you watch that one, and then you watch uh, Mizzou and South Carolina later in the day, the Auburn game, top 25 matchup sure. against A&M. Then, Friday, then Saturday night, 7 o'clock. Loved it. I mean, I watched a little bit of the Oklahoma State-Texas game, but I was watching Notre Dame-Georgia. I love seeing you know an old-school team like Notre Dame play at Georgia, who's been so good lately. Sure. And it's like 95,000 people. They turned the stadium red going third quarter in the fourth quarter. Turned the stadium red. Everybody puts up their phones. That is like college football passion. It's finest. So I like people. I say, why do you like college football? I love the atmosphere. It's intense. Go to go to a Kansas State game or Mizzou or KU and just experience the passion of college football. Another another hot topic in college football right now is this new rule. You know, and I'll ask Gary about it later too, and get his thoughts, Gary Pinkle. But they got a rule in college football this year, Rocco. Four games or less, and they did it last year. Four games or less, you can redshirt. And guys are taking advantage of this. Sure. For example, Kelly Bryant is at Missouri because he played in four games or less at Clemson. So we could transfer, graduate transfer, coming over here. And I've been kind of torn on this. Is it good or bad for the game? What happens is Derek King's a very good quarterback, dual threat quarterback at Easton. Sure. Very good. But he's going to be a senior. And Corbin is a junior, uh, Charles Corbin, their wide receiver, second-leading receiver, Keith Corbin, excuse me, second-leading receiver in Houston. They've played four games. They're both going to redshirt. So they're coming back next year. So if you're a University of Houston Cougars donor or fan, you're paying the tickets and everything when they're essentially, quote, tanking, right? They're one and three. Small market college football, ain't it? Well, yeah, but it's Houston, man. It's like, the, what, the fourth largest city in America. But the bottom line is... Sure. You want your team to win, so you're willing to deal with it, but I think this is good for the kids to be able to preserve that red shirt. I looked a couple years ago at Tua at Alabama, played in six games that year. He came in for the national title game. Saban would have held that bad boy under four, so we got that red shirt and would have been a freshman. But this has changed the landscape of college football. But I'm good with it. The the quarterback transferring the portal has been good. Joe Burrow at LSU, former Ohio State quarterback, Heisman Trophy candidate. Jalen Hurts going from Alabama. To Oklahoma, it's been good for the sport. Clemson, Kelly Bryant going to Missouri has been good for the sport. But essentially, this is now on the horizon. College football teams are looking at themselves, their records, looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, all right, let's go ahead and redshirt them because they've played four games. This is a big decision in college football. Not only that, you have a true freshman quarterback and you want to get him playing time. Well, if your team's got four or five losses, you play him the final three or four games. That way he gets experience. And you still keep the red shirt on there. The old red shirt rule is you just come in the game, it's gone. Yeah. So it has changed the landscape of college football. Kansas State, John Kurtz from K-Man. He hosts our uh, True Colors podcast for Kansas State, 610sports.com, the uh, 435 podcast page. We do it each and every week. We go around the horn talking to K-State, Missouri, and KU. John Kurtz next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Welcome back to Rush the Field. As always, pleased to be joined by our K-State insider, John Kurtz, sports director at K-Man in Manhattan, Monday through Friday. And, of course, you can hear his Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network right here, 610sports.com. Follow him on Twitter at JL Kurtz. What's up, John? Hey, not too much, Jay. Good to talk to you again. 
Good talking to you, too. So Kansas State, we they crawl back in to the top 25, the AP top 25. They already made the coaches poll a week ago. They slid down the coaches poll in a good way. And then, of course, are finally ranked in the AP for the first time in two years. It's got to be a little nice recognition for Kansas State. A lot of writers probably wish they would have voted them higher. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the frustration for K-State fans uh, after the Mississippi State game was that in one of the two polls, you had TCU in there at 25 and K-State at 26. And I had not been overly impressed with TCU. I think a lot of Wildcat fans are in the same boat. And some of that probably carries over from uh, the fact that Alex Delton has been in the quarterback battle there. And uh, I think K-State fans saw that Alex Delton can struggle at times as a Big 12 QB. And now TCU loses to SMU and K-State is now, uh, I think, rightfully so in both polls. In fact, Barry Trammell, who is uh, almost a legend of a columnist at the Oklahoma, had K-State ranked number 10 because he's doing a big fun. Just, yeah, just wins that uh, that have occurred already this year. I actually had a chance to talk with him on that Faithful to Our Colors podcast that you mm-hmm. mentioned. So he goes through his rationale for putting K-State there. But I, I think they deserve it the way they played. It's, it's not just the win at Mississippi State, but they were as dominant as you could ask in Weeks one and week two, and uh, now this team, I think, has a ton of confidence coming off a of bye week heading into Stillwater. Yeah, they had the bye week last week. We didn't have the show last week with the the Royal schedule. Let's go back to that Mississippi State game. You were down in Stark Vegas for that game down in Starkville. And impressive showing for Kansas State. It, it, you know, to go on the road in the SEC, and, you know, I know Mississippi State's not a top ten you know, t- caliber team or a top SEC team, but I don't care. They're still a tough physical team that went into Manhattan and uh, rolled the Wildcats there. So they take the revenge out on the road. I was impressed with that victory. Special teams maybe need a little work, but you did get the kickoff return from Knowles. But overall, what an impressive win for Kansas State. A lot of optimism about where this season can go. Yeah, a couple guys really stand out in that game. And you mentioned it with the muff punts and everything. Kansas State could have won this game by 14 or more points, no question about it. But Malik Knowles, the kickoff return he had, this is a special player, you know, a freshman at Kansas State. But, man, is he explosive. I think I think he's going to be a household name in the Big 12 uh, relatively soon. He's got that kind of potential. I mean, I, you could see it last year. He was able to preserve his red shirt um, by only playing in, in four games. Yep. but Took advantage of the flat. rule. We've been talking a lot yeah. about that tonight. Exactly. And uh, one of the few players that Bill Snyder really utilized that rule with, and, and I think you got to see, hey, Man, this kid has the, the length. He has like the rangy length that you really want in a in a big time receiver, and uh, he is taking big strides. Had some drops in uh, week one that were disappointing, but came back in week two had a big performance. wasn't all that involved in the passing game at, at Mississippi State, but he has that game breaking ability. And I think what you see on the, the the return for a touchdown there, that kickoff return, is that he's outrunning SEC players. You know, I think K-State's reputation would be that they're a fairly slow team. They don't have the speed and athleticism of a team like that. Malik Knowles is toasting uh, guys wearing a Mississippi State jersey, and uh, that's what's exciting about him and his future. And still just so young as a redshirt freshman. I think he'll be a very good player by the time he's done. Uh, I do think K-State needs to develop some other options at, at receiver more than what they have right now. Dalton Schoen has, has been okay and did have the go-ahead touchdown there, but I think more consistency out of him. and. Finding a guy like a Javashin Taylor, a Josh Youngblood, um, a couple of younger players at receiver as well that we have heard good things about and expect, I think, more from will be a key for this offense because they're going to need more than, than just Malik Knowles to win uh, some of the tougher games in the Big 12, I believe. Skyler Thompson, you know, just watching him talk, 
you never we've talked about him before, but you know, after that game and everything else, I mean Skyler Thompson has got that confidence again. We 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 keep talking about how this confidence is growing week after week, but you want to talk about a guy that really feels like he's in charge of this offense. He understands the way he's playing. He gets the system. He looks to be a true leader from afar when you see him and when you see him talk. But uh, I've been nothing but impressed by this guy. He's been great. Um, he actually, after week three, after that Mississippi State game, was Pro Football Focus's number one graded quarterback in the country. Um, ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead of Jalen Hurts, any big-time quarterback that you want to name, he had graded higher than those players. And it was crazy. You look at the sheer numbers, the raw stats, he doesn't have near the yards for touchdowns that Joe Burrow does, but that's where I think the grading is important that can level the playing field because of the offense that, that Skyler is in. And also, I mean, to, to be honest, just with a receiving core that lacks some playmakers that I think a lot of his peers there on that list would have. And that's a part of what's been impressive about Skyler. He really elevates the play of everybody. And when you talk about bringing a guy along like Malik Knowles, uh, after his drops in week one, Skyler sent out a text to him the next day, reaffirmed, hey, man, I've got confidence in you. I'm still going to come to you with the ball. And he threw the ball his way a lot in week two against Bowling Green, and Malik Knowles was fantastic. So he's he's got it. He's got the, uh, the it factor. That's what uh, Chris Kleiman has said about him multiple times, and I think you're just seeing him come into his own. And it's, it, quite frankly, it's been a joy to watch. John, you're on your way. Today. We're talking to John Kurtz, insider for uh, Kansas State uh, football. And you're, you're on your way to Stillwater. And Oklahoma State's an intriguing team. I, I think they gave Texas everything they wanted. Matter of fact, they had a lead in the third quarter in that game. The team is off to a three and one start, but the quarterback play is interesting. Spencer Sanders, you know, high profile dual threat quarterback was in high school. I think he was Mister Texas in uh, certain publications last week. No exception, dual threat, two hundred sixty yards passing and one hundred nine yards on the ground. So you get the dual threat from him. So Kansas State defense. You know, could be facing a guy here that they haven't faced in some time because I don't think they've seen a quarterback of his caliber yet with the, the many different things he can do. Yeah, totally agreed. I, I think that's maybe Mississippi State's biggest weakness right now. I know Garrett Schrader did have 100 yards rushing last week against Kentucky. But yeah, it's not Nick Fitzgerald. Yeah, their, their quarterback situation to me leaves something to be desired. Uh, this will be a big step up, I, I think, really all across the board. I think it'll be a tougher environment. Um I've been to Boone Pickens Stadium multiple times for day games and night games. In particular, night games there, they, they are rocking. I mean, that's a tough environment to play in. The fans are right on top of you. There's no room on the sideline to separate you from the fans or the paddles and all of that stuff that they have there. So I think it'll be a, a very difficult test. Um, honestly, I was a little underwhelmed by, by Starkville, which I think was hurt by an early kickoff in the heat and, and all of that. But then I think the, the skill position players, I mean, this is going to be a tougher test to deal with. I think Spencer Sanders, obviously, is an upgraded quarterback. Uh, if there's one running back in the conference that K-State will see who maybe is good at Kylan Hill, who I think is one of the absolute best in the country for Mississippi State, it's Chuba Hubbard, a guy who leads the nation in rushing and rushing attempts right now. And then Tylen Wallace at a receiver. That's a, just a Bolitnikoff finalist from last year so. Mike Gundy's team has some offensive firepower, and uh, I, I do worry about the ability of Spencer Sanders to make plays uh, when things really break down on that K-State defense. So, And, in fact, talking with Scotty Hazleton earlier today, K-State's defensive coordinator, I mean, he really echoes some of those thoughts, too, that, that that is going to be a big concern, and they may have to gamble some and hope that they can stop Spencer Sanders if he gets outside the pocket. But 
The defense stepped up and played, I thought, a phenomenal game at uh, Mississippi State. The only points they gave up were after turnovers or, in one case, a big penalty that extended a drive. So, for the most part, they were rock solid. I think you have to hope that they come with a similar effort in this one. John, check out his podcast, Faithful to Our Colors, Pod, 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com. John, always good talking to you. Have fun in Stillwater. Absolutely, Jay. Take care, man. There you go, John Kurtz. We'll hear him again next week. Gary Pinkle will be coming up at around 8.30 or so. But that what a, what a win for Kansas State. And let me put it this way. As I've said, I think K-State made the right decision. I know people wanted flash. They wanted sizzle when it came to head coach for Kansas State University. Kleiman's, Kleiman's tough. Not only that, Kleiman has a good relationship with Kansas City players. And we've talked about, you know, the guys going on to different places. It's been Carson, William Christman going down to Texas. Or uh, Goodrich going from Lee Summit West to Clemson. We've seen this. Ronnie Bell going to Michigan. So many guys are leaving. Kleiman's got a great relationship with the local area high school coaches. You know, just talking to them, they respect him. When he was at North Dakota State, this guy's a champion. He won four titles. He's been part of all the North Dakota State titles because he's either a defensive assistant or defensive coordinator up there. The guy knows how to win. I don't care if it's FC level, SCS level or FBS. He's a winner, and you kind of can't take that away. And so when he wins like he did, and Carson wins, that's on Thursday night football right here, was his quarterback at North Dakota State. But they went in and beat teams like Iowa State, Kansas State, you name it. They played up a level, Division one A FBS, and won games. From the one double A level, I was impressed going to what they did going down to an SEC school. And Mississippi State came in and thumped them last year. Kylan Hill ran all over them, had more yards rushing than they did as a team. They still ran for two hundred one yards. Did Mississippi State? Kansas State need to work on that run defense a little bit, but the the special teams too. They muffed two punts. You know, turnover. There was a costly turnover for them, or Kansas State. Looked good, except for the special teams. Then Malik Knowles, who we talked about with John, this guy's going to be a stud. Malik Knowles, if you don't know that name yet, this, in my opinion, is going to be the one big playmaker for Kansas State that you're going to know in the future. Redshirt freshman, again, they took advantage of the four-game rule that we've talked about last year with Malik Knowles. Ten catches last year for 100 yards, two touchdowns. But, you know, you throw that redshirt on him, he's back to being a freshman this year. This year? The guy is killing it. He's got three carries, 24 yards, and they put him in the backfield to carry the ball. As far as being a receiver for Kansas State, Malik Knowles, nine for 137, two touchdowns, and he's got that kickoff return for a touchdown as well. This guy's explosive. And Skyler Thompson looks like the guy that was at Fort Osage, the guy that won the Simone Trophy. There's been so synonymous with great players like Ronnie Bell at Park Hill that's now at Michigan, Um, Drew Locke. Former Simone Trophy winner. Darren Sproles, former Simone Trophy winner. You might know his name. Skylar Thompson has that team believing in him. He's got that it factor. He didn't look over his shoulder anymore at Alex Delton. But Kansas State against Oklahoma State, to me, two very evenly matched teams. And Spencer Sanders, the quarterback from Oklahoma State, as I mentioned to John, talking former Mr. Texas football. Guy was a four-star recruit, dual-threat guy. He's put up numbers. He's put up big numbers. This year for Oklahoma State, like I said, he ran for 109 last week against Texas, threw for 268. This year, he's got 328 yards rushing, two touchdowns, throwing the ball 890 yards, seven touchdowns. The guy can do it all. Spencer Sanders is going to be someone to watch under that Mike Gundy 
defense. But Kansas State versus Oklahoma State this weekend. When we come back, we'll talk about this four-year rule with Gary Pinkle and a lot of other things with Gary Pinkle as well. we talk to the coach next. Rush the field with Jay Binkley. Listening on the Radio.com app. Make sure to favorite 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field with the Ohio College Football Show on 610 Sports Radio. Pleased to be joined as I am each week. And he says, I'm going to sit and enjoy my family. How tough was it for you with the competitive juices and the competitive fire, you know, being around the game of football for so long and not have that anymore? Well, um, you know, that's it, – it, it, I, I, first of all, you know, because I, I got in the fall, I made a – you know, I just I, I didn't have a plan for this. Generally, you have a plan when you have a tire and this is what you're going to do and this is how it's going to be done. Because that's the way I am, the kind of structured – I'm a very structured person. So I didn't have a plan at all, so I've had to adjust. Uh, you know, I, I think when you back away, if you don't realize, he talks about every summer, I mean, for all those all those years, and I did the same thing for – you know, we'd start in August 1 and, and uh, we would not be – and we would not have a day off till the middle of February. And then you said spring ball, and you had, I mean, you kept going on and on and on. I loved it, I did, but the hours are pretty staggering. And so, I, you know, for me, I, 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 I certainly adjustment. I would suggest everybody have a plan. The thing that I did was, you know, talk, help the university in any way I can, speak engagements, whatever, and I still do that, talk on leadership and teamwork. I wrote a book. You know, people had publishers called me and asked me, and I selected a publisher, Dave Matter, was a uh, writer with me and did a great job of that. So I got, I got an opportunity to do that. I never thought I would have to, to, to do. Um, but then for me, you know, I've, for me, it was just kind of a void still, you know, and I, I, I missed game day, the four hours that I'm during a game, putting that headset on, I was gone for four hours. I was in a different world. There was nobody in the stands. I actually loved that. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of surreal to me. And, 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 uh, then uh, the other thing I miss probably more than that, I miss my players. I miss hugging them, loving them, kicking their butt, you know, uh, discipline them, and just seeing them be better, better men and people when they left. And we did that stuff. We didn't we didn't talk about it because it sounded good publicly. We did that things, those kind of things, to help our players mature in the young men. And kind of, I did one one season I did for all our team meetings on at the beginning of all our team meetings, but. You know, my last couple of years, I used to give them a little pointer on uh, fatherly advice. You know, father guys I have that aren't fathers, too. So, um, anyway, so I have a foundation I started because I want to help kids. And GP made, you mentioned it before, it's yeah. awesome. Uh, you know, we're planning on getting into the inner city, Kansas City schools, the scholarship here. Uh, we're going to be doing that probably in, uh, in, in, within the next six months to provide opportunities. And we're real excited about that. We do the same thing in St. Louis, and we have some, obviously some things going on here in Columbia. So, um, you know, I'm I'm keeping busy, but uh, I feel like when I help, when I'm helping. Like when I've helped my players, and now I'm helping these. You know, we're going to help kids. You know, um, I, it, it's significant, and so I'm back. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, real excited to be a part of it. It's GaryPinkle.com if you want to check it out. The GP Made Foundation. Um, he's got that, the book. You can find that on there. And uh, the foundation and all the stuff that the uh, coach does uh, with his time now. But, yeah, Ned said that, too. You know, it's about the players. And, listen, you can flip the TV on Sunday and watch your former players in the NFL. I mean, that's got to be, you know, kind of fun thinking you help that journey. Yeah, you know, I never could before, too. And you know, that's that's kind of a neat thing about it. Trouble is, I'm, I'm so old now, a lot of my players have played 10 years in the NFL and they're retiring. <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> they're calling you now for uh, advice. It's a crazy world, but we got some good players there. You know, a lot of those guys. And, and uh, no, it's, it's it's neat because I I didn't realize 
this sounds crazy, but during, the, during my, the, my world and coaching football, all August, you don't read about it. You don't listen to – I never listen to news at all, ever, ever, or TV during football season. I just never did that. I never – that was my thing that I did. It's focused on doing my job. And uh, and so you you but you don't realize how big football is now. People say, "What do you mean by that?" Well, you know, with, as a coach, I'm 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 coaching. We're meeting our teams on Friday, Friday night, Saturday. I might watch a game before mine, or maybe a game when I got home afterwards with some friends, friends or something. Uh, never watch any NFL on Sunday. Monday night, we're working Monday, Tuesdays. So, I mean, it just what I was amazed at was football in our country. Friday night, just how crazy it is. You know, start starting. September one, Friday nights in high school football. Then you get college football. I mean, just just in, in, incredible. Uh, NFL all day Sunday, and then you got you know Monday night football and Thursday night. I mean, it's just it's just uh, it's, it's I'm a little proud of that I was a part of something that was so big. But I didn't realize it was big until I backed away and got a chance to look at it. Well, coach, it is fun, man. You know, you, I, I do it too. You know, Friday night Friday night lights. Although in Kansas City, they're worried about these storms, so they moved all the high school games to the night. Um, didn't do that back in my day, coach. We played in the rain. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's a memory, man. I, I, I have a few stories about that too. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't move our games because of the weather two days ahead of time. We, no, actually, no. we actually went out there and played no. football. The Missouri Tigers coach looking good too. This, uh, this run defense way to start off against South Carolina, but this rush defense, you know, Wyoming gashed them almost 300 yards, but then West Virginia, 30 yards rushing SEMO, 40 yards rushing South Carolina. You know, ground and pound SEC team only comes up with 16 yards rushing. That's amazing what Missouri's been able to do to kind of switch things around defensively with that run defense since week one. Yeah, it really is. It's nice to see that getting better. South Carolina was a good test for us. Um, yeah, it's real exciting. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, we, we the, the whole key is and they have a bye this week. Barry's going to handle that. Generally, a bye is early early in the season. You get a little bit more practice in because you know you want to keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better. That kind of thing because we've talked about the importance of that. At the end of the season, you get a, you get you get a buy in November, or the end of October. It's a little bit different. Rest, 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 rest. You know, and so that we could be at a peak performance level. And it's been a you know long two thirds of the season. So I think those are the kind of things that are going on right now with Barry's doing it. But uh, um, and then as we talked about before, you know the the the, the call is always to become a better football player and a better offense, a better defense, and a kick return team and a kickoff team and all the different areas uh, improve to get better. And, and, you know, that's when you take that approach as a football player and a team, it's really exciting to kind of see where you, we can end up. Well, and they, they, Missouri plays Troy uh, next week after that bye week you're talking about. Troy's kind of a pesky team. I mean, that's a team that, uh, that's a team that surprised a few teams. I mean, going into Baton Rouge and winning a couple years ago and, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, they've been they've been on the map recently, and they lose their coach this year, and they replace that. But that's, that's kind of a pesky challenge for Missouri. Troy's a Troy's a pretty confident bunch. Yeah, you know, honestly, it's it's a, and I'm boring with this, and you know, you know, that's just the way football coaches are. But you know, honestly, you, you don't prepare any different than this game than if we're going to play Georgia uh, or whomever is on our schedule. You prepare. There's a way you prepare as a player. And and when you find that out and you understand your accountability to the team, that that they expect you to play at a particular level, they don't really care who you're playing. And when you have that kind of accountability, you know that's that's when you that you're going to get your best shot. You might not play your the best game you ever played, but you're certainly 
focused in on being the best player you can be that 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 afternoon or night. And I think that's really kind of the you know the, the direction you want want to go. It's not about who we play. It doesn't matter who we're playing. It's about us getting better, and it's about us playing our best game. Okay, we want to Troy. We want to be our best game of the year. You know why? Because it's the next game up, and then we'll next next the next week after that, we'll turn the page and go to the next one. Yep, fair enough. And I'll, I'll tell you this much, Coach. Uh, I know you're not on the sidelines anymore. I know that I, I didn't know if you sat around and watched any of that Notre Dame Georgia game, and I can't imagine being in that atmosphere. I mean, they're going to the fourth quarter. They turn, turn it down. We're just red lights around the stadium and everybody's got their phone out. I mean, 95,000 people plus. I, I don't know how you did it. I mean, that's just an insane environment to keep your team. I, I don't know if you saw that game, but that was just an insane yeah. environment. Yeah, that's a great place to play. You know, we beat them there in 70 yep. uh, I mean, 2013. And uh, it was really, a, it was a great, they have a great environment. That's one lesson that I learned in the SEC. First of all, how many great national programs in there that have every resource that that's imaginable but georgia is really a good team if nick saban was at georgia they would have won the same amount number of national championships uh it's got everything it's location you know right outside of uh uh atlanta and it's uh it's a um it's it's they've got the source of the whole recruiting in georgia and right in florida and everything and it's uh, it's a great, great environment, and it was also a great, great environment, and it was a fun environment when we beat them there. So I'm <laughs> proud of my players and my team and everybody for that because that's really hard to do. Yeah, that was really a catalyst, too. I look back at that game and think about, you know, that was where you made it in the SEC. Like, we're here, and we're here to play, and that kind of started off some good things. Final question for you, Coach. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I've talked to you a little bit about it, this four-game and redshirt rule. And we, we've seen it a lot in college football, and we, we've seen it this year. You know, Houston's doing that with their quarterback. It's a really good quarterback, King, and one of their receivers, you know, four games, let's redshirt them. Um, this game has certainly changed, Coach, when teams are able to do this. I mean, this is this – is, I don't know how to think about it, really. I mean, I've thought about this a lot. Good idea, bad idea, not sure. But, man, it would have given you a lot of decisions having to think about things. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I have not even talked sat down, talked to Barry about that yet. You know, um, and really, really didn't get it much thought. I think, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm like you. I, I don't, I don't know how I would handle that or what we do. I think they're going to learn from it. You know, coaches are going to learn from it, and their coaches are going to learn what some other schools are doing. You know, what do you do that if you're Nick Saban in Alabama? You got these great, great recruit guys. You're going to put them on special teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. They can certainly get some experiences and, uh, you know, and get those games in. So I think, uh, you know, you have to just sit down with, with your staff and do a master plan. But the great thing about it is after this football season's over, there's going to be one or two or three ways that different programs do it for different reasons. And I think they'll all grow from it. And I think it's good for the players. They get a chance to get, to get a little bit of experience. Uh, but yet they, you know, they can focus on their academics and, and, and become a better player, uh, knowing that they still have their eligibility left after that. Yeah, especially at the end of the year, you know, you have a quarterback, he's a freshman, you want to play him a little bit. A couple of guys, I look back at Alabama, and Tua probably would have gone to the pros anyway, but, you know, that first year, you know, Tua, the year that he came in at halftime and won the national championship at Alabama, and, you know, he played in six games that year. You know, you have to think, would Nick Saban maybe change things up a little bit, you know, during the season to keep it, you know, under four and have that extra year with him. But, again, when you're dealing with a talent like that, you're probably dealing with the NFL anyway, so it didn't matter. Well, the other thing you think about is the other players. So, you know, if you're your backup quarterback is the guy you're going to go to for the season, that's the one you're going to have. Uh, then, you're, then you shoot a guy in front of him to get work. 
that that's not going to, you know, it's not not the man yet. He's not ready, but you want to have an experience. But what is it too? What's what's he looking around doing? So it's problematic with personnel. I mean, you you got to have a system in place, and you got to have consistency how you do it. Or I think you're going to have you know probably some internal problems. Good stuff. Go check out the book. Go to GaryPinkle.com. There's a link right there for the foundation and the book, or you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You name it, The 100-Yard Journey, A Life in Coaching and Battling for the Win with Dave Matter and Coach Gary Pinkle, Nick Saban, uh, that we talked about a minute ago, the forward in that, and I've already told you that a bunch of times. Coach, uh, have fun today, and uh, have fun, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, for this weekend, it's go Chiefs, right? And then go the Chiefs. Got a bye, and then uh, uh, it'll be go Mizzou next week, too. So, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, yo, Gary Pinkle right there. Coming up next, University of Kansas. Tough loss against West Virginia after the big win against Boston College the week before. We talk Kansas to Josh Klingler next. Well, that's the Kansas fight song, which means that it's time to talk KU Jayhawks football with the one and only Josh Klingler from Fesco in the Morning, sideline reporter for the Jayhawks, also a uh, on Fesco in the Morning, starting each and every day, 558 in the morning. What's up, Kling? Good evening, Bing. I'm glad you're still awake, my friend. I never know. Sometimes <laughs> the people that have morning shows. So, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. It's the beauty of live radio. We'll you this time of night. We'll find out. All right, Kling. A couple weeks ago, I here's how I had Kansas. I had them losing to Boston College when I made my predictions at the beginning of the year. I had them beating Coastal Carolina, but then I had them beating West Virginia. I had them three and one. So I was a little bit off on this. So Kansas State, or excuse me, Kansas scores 48 against BC, and then West Virginia that. I thought was kind of shaky. Picked eighth in the Big 12 this year. The quarterback, Austin Kendall, new head coach there. What happened in this game? Well, I think it was two pretty evenly balanced teams in this one, and both were kind of in the same boat, but they were dealing with you know new coaches and new offenses and that type of thing. And then, you know, I thought West Virginia played pretty well offensively, at least compared to what they had been doing. And then uh, slow starts offensively for Kansas have been a problem. They can't afford that, especially in the Big 12. They've you know, they haven't had a consistent uh, play offensively through four games. And as you know, in the Big 12, you got to score points. So uh, Kansas can't be messed around on offense. They've got to figure out a way to generate points, especially early in games. And it played well for the most part, but a scoreless first quarter the other day against, uh, against West Virginia. And you, you can't afford to get off to those type of starts uh, quite a few times in Big 12 play. And TCU scores points, uh, so it would behoove them to, to get off to a a better offensive start coming up on Saturday. I know that is a point of emphasis that they want to try to figure out. Really, uh, third downs weren't good, and and you know staying on the field and, and getting offense going early were big uh, points of emphasis for their offense this week. Yeah, they've got to find some consistency. You know, each and every week be able to parlay those wins. But I'll tell you what, Kling, this is a different Kansas team to watch to me. They, they've got certain special players. I mean, we know how special Pook is running the football but I've been really impressed, and we talked about him after week one, Andrew Parchment. You know, he's, he's a bigger wide receiver for Kansas, 5 for 132, two touchdowns, junior, 6'2", 180. He's got that range. But I tell you, that really gives Carter Stanley, you know, kind of a weapon in the passing game. And I, I've always liked the Kansas running game, as I've told you. I think with Herbert and Puka, they're good. But I'll tell you, Andrew Parchment, who went to Northern Illinois, played in JUCO last year, Kind of new to Kansas this year, but he's been a pleasant surprise. Yeah, he's he is really solid. I mean, he's legit. He's had three or four games over 100 yards receiving. Les Miles has not been shy to make comparisons. He compares his ball skills to a couple guys he had at LSU. I don't know. Uh, um, 
uh, a guy uh, that plays for the uh, the Cleveland Browns. I forget what his name is. Maybe he was a former Giant, a former NFL. Um, but both of the guys he had at LSU and, and Beckham and, and Landry, he compares them favorably to and not shy about saying wow. he's got NFL-type skills. And um, I just really like the fact that he's, he's very versatile. We've seen him run the pop passes um, and jet sweeps out of the backfield. He's got the speed to get himself downfield and run vertical. He's not afraid to go over the middle as well. He's a well-rounded wide receiver and, and a really good talent. Again, he's had three really good games, one kind of down game, but three really solid games of the four for Kansas. And he'll be a, he'll be a guy that's uh, that's marked by opposing defenses. He's he's legit. Carter Stanley, watch this week. I mean, when you look at the numbers, pretty efficient game, nineteen to twenty-five, two seventy-five, three touchdowns. Did take him a little bit to get going, but when you look at the you know, the box scores at the end of the game, that's a decent game for Stanley. And, again, I do think Les Miles has the weapons offensively to kind of help Carter Stanley. Yeah, turnovers have been a problem. I mean, he can be maybe a little bit more of a, of a game manager type and not turn the football over, and that will benefit them a lot. Um, he had an interception and a fumble in the most recent game, and they've been, you know, minus in the turnover category thus far, which has been a problem as well. So, if he doesn't turn the football over, he's been solid. But uh, it seems like that you know they get a couple of mistakes here and there, and and it, it kind of detracts what they're doing offensively. So they cannot be turning the football over. I think that's been Carter's you know, biggest problem uh, thus far. Um, you know, once he gets going, kind of streaky. Um, he's been using his legs a little bit more the last couple of weeks as well to to kind of run for for yardage, which I think is a positive for him. He just got to not turn the football over. I mean, that's the that's, that's the name of the game, right? Especially in college football. Um, the turnovers are so big, and, and the Jayhawks can't afford to be minus. TCU this week at 11 a.m., Fox Sports 1. Uh, Alex Delton, of course, is at TCU. You know, the former Kansas State quarterback, although he's not been playing because uh wasn't playing well. Wasn't playing well for TCU, and they've gone to uh, Duggan. Max Duggan is quarterback for them, a freshman out of out of Iowa. But the, the disappointing loss for TCU last week against uh, against the SMU Mustangs. A, but anyway, a, a good challenge on the road for Kansas, who has shown the ability to beat TCU in the past. Yeah, they beat them last year, in fact, in Lawrence. Uh, two years ago, it was all TCU. But for the most part, this, this history has been pretty tight, even though uh, they've been kind of lopsided in terms of you know TCU being a ranked team many times when they face Kansas. Jayhawks have typically played them well, but not the last time down there. But, um, yeah, TCU's team is probably a little bit fired up. They got beat. Uh, by uh, by an SMU squad that just seems to be a, a bunch of kind of uh, grad transfers and, and they scoured the transfer portal and and uh, the former Texas quarterback was playing there so uh, SMU's uh, often that beat start so they ought to be a little bit fired up for this one they have a good rushing attack as well uh, Darius Anderson's averaging like nine yards a carry on the year and has a, a couple of hundred yard games back to back so uh, the Jayhawks need to do uh, a good job of stopping the the ground game. And then, obviously, I think scoring points. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to say, right, score more points. But in the Big 12, you got to find a way to score. Uh, Kansas uh, gets itself in a, in a position where they're not putting points on the board. It's going to be tough flood once again in Fort Worth. Josh Klingler goes Fesco in the morning, 558 tomorrow. Here, Kling and Bob. Kling, have fun in Fort Worth. Ride the bull at Gillies. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have my liability up to date. <laughs> at Josh Klingler on Twitter if you want to see him ride the bull at Gillies in Fort Worth. Take care, Kling. Thanks, thanks. There we go, Josh Klingler right there as we look around at Kansas State, Missouri, and KU. Now, as far as my top three games, I like to have three games. I'm going to pick them each and every week for you. 
that I think are worthy of watching. I told you last week, you know, starting off that Wisconsin-Michigan game. But this week, it's actually some decent ones. How about Notre Dame once again? They lose to Georgia in a close one. 18th-ranked Virginia at Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off that tough loss, Georgia 230 in B.C. So that's a good one to start off with. Kansas State at Oklahoma State, 6 o'clock. Uh, we hear the game right here on 610 Sports Radio. Kansas State coming off a bye week and now ranked 24th in the AP. And last but not least, number five, Ohio State. Quarterback Justin Fields, who I consider a Heisman Trophy candidate. And Nebraska. Nebraska 3-1. and one. Scott Frost almost blew it in Illinois last week. Way too close for comfort. College game days in Lincoln. Right? If they lose, they don't show up. Now Lee Corso can put the corn on his head. I doubt he does it. He's going to pick the Buckeyes to win this game. I will uh, guarantee that. But Nebraska with that scare against Illinois. But those are my top three games of the weekend. Good to hear from uh, John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan talking Kansas State. Always good to hear from Gary Pinkle each and every week. The all-time winningest coach at the University of Missouri. And, of course, talking KU with Josh Klingler. All those Kansas fans out there, they're finally starting to go watch some football. Rocco, thanks for producing this. We'll see you guys later. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.